This is NFL.com's Coaches Show Podcast. 40 men together can't lose. This is why you lift all them weights. Everybody's grabbing out there. Nobody's coming. And now we're going. There's a gleam, men. There's a gleam. Hey, this is Brian Billick here with my partner, Steve Mariucci, to break down all of week one's action, including the Packers and the Niners rematch. Colin Kaepernick, just how good is this kid? And speaking of quarterbacks, which young quarterback had the best starting debut? Plus, thoughts on the Lions defense, Steelers woes, and much more from week one. The Coaches Show podcast starts now. I've been looking forward to this. It's time for the Coaches Show podcast. Steve, we're going to be doing this all year long. Let's get to this thing right now. All right. I know you're up in the Bay Area. Let's talk about Colin Kaepernick. This guy, we throw the term special and unique around way too much. But this guy, I tell you what, I don't know that I've seen a guy like this in a long, long time. You know, I went over to interview him uh, in OTAs. And I sat down with him. And, I, you know, he's, he's got a little presence to him. And he's, he's got some athletic confidence that's easy to see. And I said, hey, Colin, who's the fastest quarterback in the NFL? He said, I am. He didn't, even, he didn't even hesitate to think about the RG3s or anything. I am. And so, you know, Dom Capers had a job to do and play defense against a two-dimensional kind of team, a team that can throw it, a team that can run it in an unconventional way. And, my God, you know, they stopped the run, and he's throwing it for 400 yards. You Are know, you kidding I, me? I don't care if this kid never runs for a yard again in the rest of his career. Now, that's a big part of it. I get that. But this guy's arm, his action, I had I was fortunate enough to have Warren Moon for a while. Yep. That pure release, that whip that he had, yep. this just the way now I know he's gonna run the ball and be dynamic that way, and that certainly is a big part of it. But just this guy, I'm just mesmerized by this guy's ability to throw the ball. You're right, and it looks like Brian, because he runs a this zone read option right. offense, okay? Which is fun to watch, hard to defend. But it looks like he's talented enough in the passing game to run a fast pace shotgun throw it every down offense if you ask them to because he's got the arm he's got the touch he doesn't throw here's what he does Brian he protects the ball right he doesn't throw interceptions and he protects himself yeah. that's where he's got an advantage maybe over some others he really does a good doesn't take a lot of hits unless you're way out of bounds then he'll take a hit right. and then and then uh, you know he looks like he's smart enough to handle anybody's passing game so this kid is special and you know i think the packers felt okay we stopped this run game but, boy, did he slice us up with his arm. Yeah, and, and he, it's a little of a d- dilemma for Dom Capers, the defensive coordinators in Green Bay, because he got lit up for, you know, Colin had, what, 260 and change in rushing in the playoff game. So it's okay. We're not going to – we may get beat. I, you, you, we've had these conversations, right, with our defensive coordinators. We sure. may not get beat, but we're not going to get beat them running the ball. Well, okay, right. but by so, the way, can we also cover a few people and not let this well, guy throw the ball the way he did? They, they got to feel good about at least part of their game plan because they had they held them to 22 yards rushing, and after last year he set a record against them with 181. But and they they held Frank Gore to just what 44 yards rushing too, but it's his arm and Vernon Davis with a couple of touchdowns. And how about how about Anquan Bolden? Oh my gosh, huh? was that a good get from those Baltimore Ravens? And what jumped out at me was. We've talked about Colin Kaepernick, and he is so accurate. I mean, you expect he looks good. He's fluid with his action. He's got the strong arm. 
He is so accurate in the way he hits guys on the run. And with Anquan Bolden, as you know, the key is when you're willing to do the back shoulder. We saw Joe Flacco do it in the Super Bowl. The accuracy that you have to have on that back shoulder stuff to not lead him into traffic, uh, Anquan Bolden is going to flourish with the accuracy of a Colin Kaepernick. Speaking of Joe Flacco and Anquan <laughs> Bolden, hey, Brian, how about your Baltimore Ravens? You think they were sick watching oh. Anquan Bolden catching for 200 yards and receiving yards, and they let him go for peanuts? And uh, Joe's got to be, oh, my God, can we have used this guy? Well, and it's not like, and we all know it's not, because they're not going to miss a lot on talent. It's not like they decided Anquan Bolden couldn't play. That, as you know, you know, we get into, you got to even up the credit card occasionally. And, and it's, a, yeah, it's a cap issue. But I remember the thing, I remember John Harbaugh telling me the thing he loved about Anquan Bolden was that he practiced angry. He says, I've never seen this guy step on the practice field where he didn't look like he was just mad all the time. And to bring that to that receiving core, you know, now Michael Crabtree's not there right now. But that's the thing that I'm interested in with, because obviously with a Colin Kaepernick, and he's got Vernon Davis, who's probably still the fastest guy uh, receiver, or, or including running backs he's got on that team. But to have an Anquan Bolden, a guy like a, a guy like that around Michael Crabtree, it could. Now I'm not clear. I forget. Can Michael Crabtree come back, or is he done for the year? No, I think he can come back with wow. that Achilles. That's going to yeah. be brutal. Here's the thing. They, they wanted Anquan Bolden to be the X receiver in their system and stay with uh, Crabtree at Z. Well, when Crab got hurt, they moved Anquan Bolden to the Z spot, which, as you know, in the West Coast offense, the, he's the right. feature right. receiver. 22 and, and so Z in and all that good stuff. Yeah. And so uh, they'll get Crabtree back here eventually. Can you imagine with another oh. weapon with, that, with Colin Kaepernick's arm? But we'll see if it's at the end of the year. He's got that tough Achilles tear that he heard planning and in practice, my yeah. God. And so, practice. 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 Um, hey, he was just running a little motion, and he planned to go up the field and snap his yeah. Achilles. Oh, geez. Well, let's, let's talk about a little bit because obviously it was a, a really phenomenal game and, it, and, and the fact that San Francisco won. But <laughs> l- let's talk about what we learned about your Green Bay Packers. You know, we go back to my old Viking days and your Packers days. And <laughs> even though it was a long day, I, I'm not, I do a power ranking, and, and I actually moved the Green Bay because I got San Francisco number one. Yeah. And I actually moved Green Bay up. After the loss, because they were seven on my list, and 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 Green Bay obviously uh, uh, lost the game. But when you when one seven loses to one, that's the way it should be, right? But let's talk about what we learned from Green Bay. Even though he got lit up in the passing game, um, obviously Aaron Rodgers. A couple of those throws, Aaron Rodgers to Jordy Nelson. That one that was literally when Aaron Rodgers literally threw it out of bounds, <laughs> and knowing that he could complete that, that was incredible to me. I thought he was throwing that away, and Jordy Nelson just toe-tapped and snuck that one in there, and Randall Cobb's going to be a real factor. I was anxious to see how they would be in the passing game without Greg Jennings, and, of course, Greg Jennings is over there at your Vikings. And so, um, you know, they're still a good team, and they've they've got the Eddie Lacy factor now. I think he's going to really help them. That's what they've been missing is uh, any sort of balance or a ground game that they can count on. And it looks like the youngster from Alabama is going to be that yeah. guy. And, and I, think that, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be happy to, to have a guy that can bang it in there on occasion. And he's still as sharp. Aaron Rodgers is still as sharp as ever. He's always dangerous, even if you're up you know, by 14 points. This guy with the ball in his hand is dangerous. So you, it was a heck of a game. I think they're going to play again, don't you, in the oh, playoffs? absolutely. You feel okay yeah. about your defense, though? Yeah, I mean, Don Capers, we all yeah. both know, one of the best coordinators, <clears throat> defensive coordinators in the history of this game. 
um, and, and obviously playing a very talented. But I, I actually came away feeling okay about the Packer defense. I did, too. There were some big pass plays, you know, that the, the Kaepernick made. And Morgan Burnett needs to get him, come on back. And, and I think they're going to be all right. I, th- I was pleasantly surprised with the, with the Packers. Their run game was better than expected. Their defense, to me, especially against the run, was better than expected. And that was a hot game. It's hot up here in the Bay Area right now. And, and a long trip. And I think they're going to win that division now and, and win a lot of games. Packers are going to be for real. I don't, you know, Clay Matthews, we'll get into in a minute about, obviously, the play and, and all that it entailed when he, when he hit uh, or tackled uh, Colin Kaepernick out of bounds. But Clay Matthews, obviously a dynamic talent. Do they have the counterbalance on the rush, though? I'm still not sure Dom Capers isn't going to have to scheme up some pressures. I don't know that they have that good singular counterbalance to Clay Matthews. Yeah, they've, uh, they're okay on their defensive front. And, uh, you know, with him rushing the passer, you know, I was watching this game compared to last year. And the entire scheme last year, you know, you saw Clay Matthews hesitating and trying to play the dive and then the quarterback and if he were ever to pitch it, be able to make all those plays. In this game, they just sent that guy. He was just hitting the quarterback or hitting the dive and being very decisive with his play. He got a little carried away there out of bounds. Um, but, a little, but a little they, carried away? Just a titch. And so they were, they were more aggressive. And I, I, think, I think their defense will come away from, from this game saying, you know, we, yeah, we want to win that game, yeah. certainly. But I think we did some good things. I, I, was, I was disappointed. I love Clay Matthews. I love him as a player. And, and what a dynamic personality. I was really disappointed with that whole sequence that, you know, it's one thing we see it all the time when a defender maybe hits a hits a guy just he's getting out of bounds or maybe he's out of bounds like the Vontae David play that cost them the game in Tampa Bay and, and against Geno Smith and the Jets where you give that little bit of a shove and it's stupid that you do it. But he launched himself clear. I mean, Clay Matthews is an aware player. He knew exactly where he was. He launched himself out of bounds to bring down yeah. Colin Kaepernick. And then the go-round with Joe Staley and the way he reacted. I, I, would, I, I, hope the league, I, I hope the league comes down real hard on that because that, I, the, I, was, I did not like that. Yeah, I'm with you. And it, the, whole, the whole sequence, Brian, yeah. was a comedy of errors. I mean, it was, it, was, it was chaotic there for a minute. because. But let's rewind a little bit because Clay even said in an interview before the game, well, we're going to hit the quarterback. We're going to hit the quarterback. And, and, and you know that we've got some new guidelines in terms of hitting option quarterbacks, okay? Jim Har- Harbaugh had issue with it, you know, as far as if you hand the ball off and, you know, you really can't come down the line and, and fake like you have the ball because if you do, you're unprotected. So you got to drop back and give yourself up and then you become protected. And it's, I don't know if there's gray area or not, but Clay Matthews was saying all week, we're going to hit the quarterback. Right. We're going to hit the quarterback well he hit Not the like quarterback that. late I know it and and uh you know it was very late you're right it wasn't like Levante David who that was kind of a hustle play he was just playing hard right. and it was close this was way out of bounds right. it was not even close it was over by the cheerleaders so that was the first huge mistake especially after he said he's going to hit the quarterback and then Joe Staley from Central Michigan you know how linemen are sometimes they can't help themselves and he gets in it and now all of a sudden we've got a rugby scrum going on over there and then to add insult to injury 
The officials made a mistake yeah. on as to what to do with that. It was third and six. It was a you know two offsetting fouls after the play was over. It should have been fourth and two. It right. wasn't. They gave him the down over. They scored a touchdown. Oh, geez. There was a lot of mistakes on that play. Yeah, bad sequence for the league, bad sequence for, for, for Clay Matthews and, and obviously the Green Bay Packers. But because uh, we had a lot of that, and we'll get, let, let's talk a little bit about that, about, you know, because we even had that in my game with Indomitian and Sue, which mm-hmm. really was not, you know, they put an emphasis on we've already lost to Kellen Davis in preseason. Uh, in my game, I had the Minnesota Vikings at the Detroit Lions. They were without Kevin Williams, and that was a big loss for them because of one of these crackback blocks or the way they're trying to clean up the game with, you know, and it is hard. Where do I hit this guy? And what's the angle in the game that I had? Dominican Sue, and it was a big penalty because it called a score back. Now, it ended up not costing Detroit because they won the game. But for a D, I'll defend Dominican Sue here a little bit because now, all of a sudden, as you know, with the new rule, it really depends on what angle I do this block going to or from away from the line of scrimmage. And that's, you're talking about offensive players. Now I'm a defensive player. Now I become the offense. Where's the line of scrimmage? What direction are we going? I thought that was a tough sequence for Indomitian and Sue, whether it was cheap, not cheap. Uh, you know, Dominican Sue's their new captain. And I've sat with him in the production meeting beforehand. That means a lot to him. And I asked him, I said, but you know you're still a marked man, right? And he goes, yeah, but I'm going to have to play my way out of that. He understands that. <laughs> Kurt Warner said something really interesting, Brian, uh, on game day morning. He said, he made the little quote, and I, I wrote it down. I liked it. He says, uh, your greatest asset is your reputation. And I went, hmm, it's pretty interesting. And, you know, it'd be like a quarterback that's good against picking up blitz. <laughs> Maybe it shies teams away from blitzing you. Well, I'm looking at Indomitian Sue's reputation. Is that an asset or not? It, I, I know we all know that he's a tough guy and he plays to the echo of the whistle. And you've got to be careful. You head on a swivel when you're near that guy. But here's the thing, and I, and I spoke to an official this morning. That play, his penalty that, that called back a touchdown, that rule has been in the league for decades. Right. You can't block below the waist on a change of possession. It's that simple. It's not really the Cushing rule. You're right. It's not that rule at all. It's blocking below the waist on a change of possession, which means an interception return or a fumble return, just like special teams. You can't block below the waist on kickoff and punt return. And he's got to know that. They need to coach that. He should have known that being a veteran. And we all say now it looks like a cheap shot and it looks like a stupid play and it looks like something else. That's been a rule for a long time. You got to be above the waist on a change of possession. Well, and they had a number of issues in that game, did Detroit? that brought back the, you know, the discipline questions and Glover Quinn head-butted receiver out of bounds. And they did a bunch of things like that. Now, they were able to overcome it, which is a good thing, but that's going to be a challenge for that team. And as you and I know as coaches, yeah, you know, and Jim Schwartz is going to be the one held accountable for it, but it's yep. got to come from within the players. And well, let, let's move on. Let's go back to okay. – we had some young quarterbacks step into their first real. Let's talk about some of the young quarterbacks. E.J. Emanuel, their only quarterback taken in the first round of the draft. Geno Smith taken in the second round. Terrell Pryor showed up for the Oakland Raiders. Let's talk about these guys. E.J. Emanuel, to me, looks like a guy I had for a while and loved him. God love his soul. We've lost him. But Steve McNair, he reminds oh. me of Steve McNair of having that big size in the pocket, running around. He's not going to run around like an RG3, but he's got a good arm. I like what I saw in E.J. Emanuel in, in the Buffalo loss. <laughs> 
First of all, he, he shocked the world being the first quarterback yeah, taken yeah. with Buffalo in the 16th pick. We went, what? Well, that's good, but okay. All right, let's see. And then, of course, Kevin Cobb gets the concussion. He's out. And then he's hurt. He has knee surgery. E.J. Manuel has right. knee surgery, surgery, so he is very much under practice. Brian, you know, like Andrew Luck and some of those young guys last year, he got it. they got every practice snap. Every they single they were snap. And camp and everything. You're starting. You take all the snaps. And if we get the backup a couple crumbs, that's fine. Well, that that hasn't been the case for either guy, E.J. Manuel or uh, Gino. So I didn't have high expectations for either one of them. Well, E.J.'s got that team in a position to win the game and beat Tom Brady. I don't care if Tom Brady's playing with – I don't care who he's playing with, even though most of them are new – to beat Tom Brady, Tom Brady's twenty-one and two against Buffalo. Okay, right. and so and so, I really take my hat off to EJ because he throws that nice touchdown pass to Robert Woods, who's their second-round pick from USC, and then he hits Stevie Johnson for another touchdown. He played very poised and played yeah, at very At the end of the well. day, as we know these, and we've all had our share of rookie quarterbacks. That's why you and I are doing a podcast right now instead of coaching, probably. But. <laughs> But what I at the end in the end of the year, they're likely to all have the very familiar, you know, under 60 percent completion, probably as many or more interceptions than touchdowns, because it's a learning curve as a rookie. Obviously, Andrew Luck and and Russell Wilson, uh, you know, kind of took took that thing off in a different direction and a curve that we haven't seen for a while. Uh, But. The thing I'm looking for and that I was impressed with, the game didn't look too big for him. Because you're not only are you facing yeah. the New England Patriots, you're watching Tom Brady. That can be intimidating. Watching yeah. Tom Brady on the other side of the field. Yeah. The game didn't look too big for him. I think it's going to bode real well for he and the Bills. I bet I bet he'd get up, you know, and go get a drink of water and talk to his coach and then and then hey, I've got to go watch Tom Brady here. <laughs> I want to see how this works. Maybe I'll get his autograph after the game, you know. But I, hey, EJ, good job. And then let's talk about Geno Smith yeah. because that's been a different situation in terms of how do you arrive at that decision with Gino, and it's been crazy for Rex, as you know. And uh, you know, you and I have been hot seat guys, and that's we love it, you know. And yeah, that's how it is in coaching. But then Sanchez gets the shoulder, and Gino's been in and out of that starting spot, and here he goes, and he responds beautifully. Yeah. I, I really like their game plan. Marty did it. Marty Morningweg yeah, one of did your a guys. Real, ni- real, real nice job of running some basic West Coast stuff, some movement, some play action, a lot of screens and some things that he's capable of, of, of completing. And, and I, I really liked his poise, too. And he got a little help with that shove out of bounds. Right? A little, a little yeah. help. Just a little. <laughs> and so, um, but, you know, to win that game against a pretty decent Tampa Bay team, hey, Good job, Geno Smith. Well, and Rex Rex is going to look at this, and we know the passion that Rex Ryan brings to the game. And he's going to feel like, you know, we've seen this movie before. I went to the AFC Championship with a rookie quarterback, Mark Sanchez, who was under 60% on the year, threw more interceptions than touchdowns. Uh, I know what that looks like. He thinks they're going to be good enough defensively to do that again. I'm not sure I buy that just yet, but he knows how to orchestrate that combination of Geno Smith, let's keep him to, you know, he had what? Uh, He was uh, 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 24. Yes. I've got it wrong here. I've got Geno Smith 18 and 17. That's wrong. 
Um, now he's 24 of 38 for 256, a touchdown and a pick, and he had 47 yards rushing. That's a that, pretty complete game. And that's more throws than you really want him to have. You want to keep yeah. him on that. Uh, uh, Sanchez threw more in the 25 a game. If, if, if Geno Smith's going to throw three, 38 passes on a regular basis, it might not yeah, go as well. But if he's in that 25 range and they're playing good defense, those would be better numbers. You know, I agree, and, and they've got to manage that balance a little bit better. Um, but after the game, we're chatting on game day highlights, and one of the things I said was I was impressed with, of course, the win. You know, you win that game, right. you know, your stock rises, right? And his statistics and the way he played the game. But I don't know if you got a chance to see him in his interview after the game. Brian. He said all the right things that you want your quarterback, young or old, to say. He was complimentary to his offensive line. The defense played good. We did the, the coaches. And I just want to – and they asked him about, well, what about when Mark Sanchez comes back? And he says, I just want to compete from day to day. He said all the right things like a real mature guy. He didn't stir up any controversy. There's no material that's going to go up in somebody else's locker room or his own locker room. And so he, he had a good day all the way around as yeah. a new young leader and as a performer. And you know what? We've got him, right? The Jets against about Tom that? Brady's bunch on Thursday on night. Are you week. kidding me? I want to talk I, about that in a second, but let's also point out that he's got a tougher road to hoe being in New York than E.J. Emanuel in Buffalo because just what you said, that post-game news, yeah. post news conference in New York has how many dozens of people in the cameras? You do it in Buffalo, and there's, there's two guys and the janitor, you know, because there, there's not that many media, you know, in Buffalo, and New York. The janitor so, will ask some tough questions. Yeah, he will. Yeah. But, but Gino's got a tougher road to hoe with that. But how about, let's talk about that quick turnaround now. He's got to face that Patriot defense on a short week. Yeah, and, and, and so veteran quarterback, of course, veteran teams will handle the short Thursday. And everybody plays Thursday games now. Everybody has one. And so you just got to figure out how you're going to do it. You don't get to practice much. You don't get to meet enough. And so you got to do things that Geno knows that he's had. You might change a wrinkle here and there for the youngster. But he's got to go now on the road, crowd noise. He, you know, he, does, he didn't have to play against that at home. And so that's another element that's a challenge. And he too, I'm sure, will stand up. That's Tom Brady. Yeah. Wow, I gotta, I gotta watch Tom Brady. And yeah. so it's, it's gonna be fun. I, I can't wait to talk to him because he is a good kid yeah. and a smart guy. So we'll see how this short week goes. I can't wait to get there for Thursday night. Yeah, another one I want to talk about, and, and I'm not a big fan of, but, but obviously had a good outing. Terrell Pryor in Oakland. Now he did it more with his legs, which is what we expect to see from a Terrell Pryor. The biggest concern I would have for Terrell Pryor is will he grow as a throwing quarterback when he's going to pull it down and run the way that he's capable of running? And that was a big difference for them in Oakland looking good the way they did. Yeah, he had over 100 yards, didn't he? And so, you know, and when that game got started and, and Andrew Luck now would hit his first, I think, 11 passes, yeah. he, just, he was having his own way. I thought this is going to be a blowout here in Indy. And uh, it wasn't like that. I mean, uh, Oakland took the lead because Pryor was playing very well and, and you know, running, throwing a little bit, and just managing that team as best he could because that team's got a lot. They, Reggie McKenzie's got a lot of work to do over here in Oakland. Yeah. They've got to build that team because they, you know, nothing against the players that are on that team now, but they need more blue-chip players. Let's face it, all right? And so, uh, you know, he, he had a good start. He, too, had to win that battle over Matt Flynn. 
little bit under practiced. And so, you know, he'll just get better as time goes on. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really fun. There's a stat now. I can't remember exactly what was said. It was there are more quarterbacks under the age of 25 right, or 26, right. 16 or something. Yeah, playing in the starting in this league, which yeah. is more than ever. Which means we have a very young, right. very young group of talented quarterbacks. And you take away the Peyton Mannings and the Tom Brady's here. Eventually, man, we've got a real good nucleus of quarterbacks that are coming up. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to watch how he doesn't progress. And again. Compared to some of the other guys, not the supporting cast. I'm talking about Terrell Pryor now, in fairness to him, that maybe some of these other young quarterbacks uh, are carrying with him. Well, let's let's transition into, and we both know, boy, the Mondays are tough. When you lose in this league, Mondays are tough. But when it's the opening Monday, all of a sudden, all your expectations and everybody's going to the Super Bowl and we all think we're going to be good, and now half the league is suicidal. I mean, you walk in, the secretaries won't look you in the face, and no one's talking to one another. Let's talk about a couple of the losses and what we learned. One was uh, uh, the, the Seahawks, who looked pretty good. Not, you know, I was worried about Seattle going all the way across the country, and they don't travel and play as well, you know, like a lot of the West Coast teams. Went into Carolina. I was very impressed with the Carolina defense. That, that, uh, you know, I, I'm doing the game. I did Minnesota and, and Detroit. But you get a chance to sit and watch all these games. What, are you, what, did, what did you see in that Carolina game with Seattle? <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, I want to say that that's why I got out of coaching because I couldn't <laughs> handle the losses Oh, the Mondays anymore. are tough. Brian, you know that a loss is down in the gutter and the winds, they're not that high. They're just, oh, they're a relief. Oh, I got one. Look, next game, the losses just bury you mentally for a long time. I tell you, and not so, to interrupt, but I'll tell you, when I knew I was done coaching, last with, year I had Philadelphia at Arizona. And this was before we didn't, knew, didn't know that both teams just sucked, right? Because they were both undefeated at the time. And, and Philly uh, goes down there and Arizona wins. And I come down from the booth doing the game, and I'm walking along the corridor, and you know there's, there's the visiting team locker room, then there's the Arizona locker room. Well, Andy's coming in, and, and I, I pass by Andy, and I look, and I, I went to school with Andy, know Andy for a long time as well, do. I looked at Andy's face, and I go, okay, that's why I'm not coaching anymore. Then I walked by Ken Wisenhunt. He didn't look any better than Andy. I said, that's why I'm not coaching. <laughs> you can't even enjoy the wins anymore. <laughs> but, right. but, but let's talk about, uh, uh, you're right, it's, t- it's so tough, but how does Carolina, do they take a little bit away from feeling, because that defense looked pretty good. Yeah, they did. And you know what? Seattle's a good football yes, team. Yes, they are. And to keep that bunch down until the fourth quarter when they had to win it late, Man, that, you know, I think they feel pretty good about their defense. Now, uh, Ron Rivera's got to figure out, um, you know, how do we get Cam going? And they've got a very talented quarterback. And they've got to find a way to, 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 to show for it with some points. And so Steve Smith had a heck of a game. And, and uh, you know, they're, they're, they're good on defense, not good enough yet on offense, yeah. and so we'll see how that goes. I don't goes, see that but... counterbalance to Steve Smith. I, as we all know, you've you got to have that other guy, and I don't see that other guy yeah. uh, other than Cam running around and, and making plays well, in the running game. I don't see that counterbalance to Steve Smith. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, and, and, and when Cam is your leading rusher and he's got 20-some touchdowns and he's got more yards than anybody, there's, that's out of whack. You know, they're relying too much on Cam's legs. And plus, he's thrown for more yards than anybody in their first two years, even more than Peyton Manning's first two years. But they're just, they're just not there yet offensively, and, and I'm rooting for him because uh, Ron's a good coach. But 
Defense, you're right. Defense really came to play. You know, when I looked at that score, you know, I do my game, and, and then I was able to get on a flight uh, from my Detroit into here into L.A., and it had the uh, Sunday night game on, which was great. I was on a flight that actually could see that and watching some of the highlights and whatever. And I'm scrolling through my, my, my phone, and I see the, the Browns-Dolphins score. And I'm thinking, okay, Ryan Tannehill, I've been kind of critical of Tannehill, and this could be good. There's 23-10, this looks good. Uh, and, but after, and then I saw a little bit of the film, I'm looking at it, and I'm wondering, is it just Cleveland's that bad? Is, uh, do we think in Miami with all the acquisitions? And I wasn't real impressed, let's put it that way, with the Miami win at Cleveland. You know, we talked yesterday, uh, one, one topic was about these, these sophomore quarterbacks, right. right? Are they going to hit the sophomore slump? And I don't know what that is, you know. Um, and, and does Ryan Tannehill belong in that group? And who, who is the Fab Five from last year? It's Luck, it's RG3, it's Russell Wilson, right? It's Brandon, Brandon Wheaton, Wheaton, right? And it's uh, Ryan. Yeah. Sometimes we forget that that uh, Ryan Tannehill is a heck of an athlete. Yeah. Remember, Brian, he played receiver. Yeah. Start, he yeah. started to receiver for A&M. He was Johnny Football before Johnny Football. And he, then they made him a quarterback, and he was – well, he's been a quarterback. But, but he played very well for A&M, and then he gets drafted high. And I think he's going to be a good one. I, I, I think now with the acquisition of Mike Wallace right. – I think that really helps them. Um, and, and you know what? And Cleveland's an improved team. In the preseason, Mike Lombardi showed that he made some nice draft choices and, and some nice free agent signings. I think Cleveland's pretty good. They didn't play very well in their home opener. But I think they're going to be an improved team and really mix it up a little bit in that AFC North. Yeah, and I imagine Wallace is pretty upset. He just got the one catch. You know, he comes down here on the big contract and – uh, but, well, let's, let's talk about it. Uh, boy, this one, this was a real head-scratcher to me, but not really. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I, I did a game yeah. of theirs last year in the middle of the year against the Washington Redskins, and that was as good-looking and confident team as I'd ever been around. Roethlisberger was healthy. The running backs were coming back and being healthy. They just demolished the Washington Redskins, all but at home. And then it just went downhill since then. That looks like a hurting football team. And losing Pouncey for my money, was the biggest injury that came out of the weekend. I don't know. You know, we've been talking about that defense getting a little bit older. It looked older the other day. Uh, and, and, and Ben Harothersberger uh, and Todd Haley, the offensive coordinator. Uh, boy, this thing, uh, this is going to be an uphill battle for Mike Tannehill. Or for, for uh, Coach Mike Tannehill. Tomlin. Mike and, Tomlin. And, and, they, and they go to Cincinnati, I believe, next yeah. week, don't Ooh, they, boy. on Monday night? Yeah. Whoa, and since he's a good football team. And, and yeah, and, and I believe in Mike Tomlin. He's a heck of a football coach, and I know you feel the same way. But I'm looking, I'm looking in their eyes, and Ben, and ben is, is one, of the, one of our great quarterbacks in this league. And, and, and he doesn't seem to have the same mojo that he had a few years ago. He certainly doesn't have the same weapons. You know, you, you lose a Mike Wallace. He was their big play guy. Rashad Mendenhall has been pretty good. He was hurt last year, but he's gone now, too. Of course, Heinz Ward is doing television over there on NBC, and he, he was their leading guy a couple of years ago. And, and so <clears throat> now you said Marquis Pouncey, they lose Max Starks. Um, the defense, we talked about the defense, Brian, being old 
last year. Yeah. I think they still ended up number one. Yeah, didn't they? how about that? <laughs> you know, Dick LeBeau does such a great oh. job. They better hope that guy never retires. What is he, 75 years old or whatever he is? They better hope they never lose that guy because he's keeping it together. But uh, they, they're banged up. They're not the same team no. uh, with talent that they've been. Let's face it. there's going to be some, some pressure on Tomlin because when he came in, taking nothing away from him, he's a Super Bowl winning coach. <clears throat> but he came in with his defensive coordinator, Dick LeBeau, one of the best of all time. He had the offense intact. He had his quarterback intact. Well, since then, he has had to change offensive coordinators. So, really, Todd Haley really was his first real big hire. And now that mesh between what Haley wants to do and Roethlisberger uh, and being there last year with them, they, they said all the right things. But that, that's, that's not a real right. good fit right now. You said they had to change offensive coordinators. And this is another point of discussion because yep. Bruce Arians, okay, could have been there. You know, for some reason, they didn't renew his contract. He's a good guy. He's a good coach. We know that he was successful there. His offenses were good. And all of a sudden, they let him go. Yeah. And Chuck Pagano's no fool. He grabbed him right away. And you saw what he did over there with Andrew right. Luck. And now Ends he's up being coach. coach of the year. And you know what? He's going to have a good team over there in Arizona. He, yeah. you, you and I know both he, he, he does a good job. I don't know why he's still not there. And so, so uh, and then, of course, we're watching the relationship. Maybe we're blowing it out of proportion. I don't know. Between I don't know. Ben when Todd having Haley, been there and seen it, it it's, not, it's not good. You know, as you know, the, the relationship between the, the quarterback and the coordinator or the quarterback <clears throat> and the play caller or the quarterback, whatever it is, there's got to be a little bit of a special relationship there. Doesn't even necessarily have to be the head coach, but the guy that's calling the plays, there's got to be that, you know, these are guys that are nuanced. We saw it last year with Joe Flacco and Cam Cameron. It was not, and it ended up costing Cam his job. It was not the relationship that we all know exists when you're that. And and that, uh, it, it doesn't appear to be that, and I'm sure yeah. they'll say yeah. it is, but... Uh, well, in fact, I'm going to I'm writing a piece for NFL.com this Sunday, and it segues into something I want to ask you about. One of the toughest things you have to do as a coach is make a change at quarterback. Nothing more dramatic, whether it be injury or due to production. Nothing shakes the team to its core more than when you make that change. And we have, you know, you talk about in Jacksonville with Blaine Gabbert and Chad Henney sitting in there, Brandon Wheaton. Uh, uh, Josh Freeman had a rough outing in Tampa Bay, and they drafted Mike Glenn, uh, Glennon. What do you think on some of these guys that are on a bit of a hot seat? How long do you go with a Blaine Gabbard? How long do you go with Josh Freeman? How much, you know, because these coaches are going to start feeling that heat too. Well, as you know, if you're a rookie coach. I think you get a little honeymoon period. You get a hall pass to, to dabble in who, who's going to be my quarterback. Can I draft a young guy and go with him? We can start off together. Um, but if you're at the end of your contract huh, or near the end of your contract, like a Rex Ryan is, my God, you don't, you don't want to count on a rookie, a new guy, to save the day. Right. Um, so Jacksonville has had offensive woes for a long time, ever since Mark Brunel has, has left that place. And so – Blaine Gabbard had a he had a stress fracture on his thumb before the game, right. and then of course he played and played very well, and he left the game, and now you got Henny there from Michigan. And it Speaking sounds like Gabbard's out this week, so now if he, Henny comes in and kind of does okay, do you make that change? 
I mean, that's a know, fundamental change to, in focus for that to. for that organization. Then they're looking for a spark over there. They're yeah. looking for somebody that can give them some some hope. And and of course, you got a new coach there in Gus Bradley, and so. I think I think he doesn't hesitate to to just find that guy, whoever it might be, and it's all up for grabs. Let's compete each week, and that's not ideal, you know that. Um, but uh, I think that's the situation they may have. Let's uh, let's go back to another of your old stomping grounds in Detroit. Uh, that was, you know, we went in. It was all about, and rightfully so, about Adrian Peterson. Calvin Johnson, maybe the two best at their positions, and this is what it's all about. And can Minnesota come up with a passing game to counter with Adrian Peterson? And can there be a running game to show up opposite Calvin Johnson? And enter Reggie Bush. I tell you what, now, he put on a show. This guy is going to give Detroit something they haven't had since Java Best, not only running the ball, but catching the ball. He took a little uh, uh, quick slant route coming out of the backfield and took it about 60, 70 yards for a touchdown. This could make Detroit very, very legitimate this year. You know, when you said he's going to have he's going to have some success uh, in, in, that they haven't seen all the way since, I thought you were going to see Barry Sanders, <laughs> and you said Javid Best, and so <laughs> not, not quite that Javid, far back. Javid Best from right over here at Cal, yeah, Cal. and 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 they want this. They hoped that he would be that guy, you know, that you get him the ball out in space and he does magic, and he just never was healthy enough, and he, he got hurt in college, as you know. So I, I think they got the guy that they really need uh, in, in both the run game and the pass game. We did some things on him on game day morning and, you know, about getting him the ball in space mm-hmm. and, and, you know, get him in the screens, check it down on the third level here. He's dynamite, and then they're going to – as time goes on, you watch, they're going to start using him more and more as a wide receiver. Yeah, they right, flanked Brian? him out a couple times. They but don't you have some... to be careful about his touches? Don't you have to regulate? We know he's not a 300-plus carry guy. His best year, really, for my money, was probably that first year in New Orleans. He had about a buck fifty in carries, 150, 55 carries, 80 receptions. I worry about, and he was in and out of that game a little bit. He had the ankle, he had the thumb. Mm. Uh, with the success you have, do you have to be careful as a coach? Yeah. Don't you limit his pitch yeah. count a little bit? I think you have to, and I, I think I think you have to do that with most backs. Um, you got to kind of use uh, you got to use another guy to spot play him. Uh, in, and they in had that guy in Joyke Bell. Good, big, physical yeah, back. He was a nice counterpunch yeah. to him. That'll be a one-two punch that they need. Yeah, you're right, because Reggie needs to play all 16 games because the guy, if he's out, the guy that replaces him is nowhere like him in skill set. It's a different game plan altogether for that position. So, uh, but, but I was happy to see that. What did he have, 90 yards rushing, yeah. 101 yards? 99. He was a little short. They, were, they yeah, wanted to get him and, the and extra so yard. But, uh, that's that's what I call balance, and, and yeah. so he's going to be exciting for them. He's going to restore the roar over there in Detroit, I think. <laughs> well, they, they had him cranked up, and, yeah. and uh, I'm interested in your view on Matthew Stafford. I mean, he, he threw a record 700-plus throws last year. Nobody wants to oh. do that. He's thrown for over 10,000 yards because that's all they're doing, throwing it. He's got Calvin Johnson to go to it. You think Matthew Stafford, now it's, it seems like a silly question for a guy that's thrown for over 10,000 yards in two years, but are you, do you believe in Matthew Stafford? I love him. I love him, and and he's he's got he's gotten off to a faster start uh, than anybody except Kurt Warner, and and uh, you know he's they throw the ball a lot now, and they're playing in a dome though, right? If in a dome you can throw it as much as you want, Brian, yeah. and and you don't have to worry about December old man winter showing up, and so. Um, 
Until you, you know, go up like to Green up. Bay in the middle of December and you got to take that road show on the road, right? I know. And the NFL likes to schedule that most yeah. of the oh, time, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, and, and Kelvin Johnson is, he's, uh, he's the undisputed number one receiver in this league. I think we all pretty much feel that way. And so, uh, if Indomitian and Sue's defense can really start playing more consistently, how about, how about Adrian Peterson's first run? He goes oh, for my a touchdown. Gosh. My first thought was, Gunther Cunningham must be going, oh, my God. And then this guy might get 2,500 yards like he said he was hoping to get. Well, and then, of course, that defense tightened up, didn't it? Well, you know what was amazing about that game? Because you're right, because we had been talking about leading up to the game, and Gunther's back up in the, in the booth now. I think they took him off the sideline because, you know, he was going to choke out a few guys. So he went up, <laughs> I thought after that first play he was going to be right back down on the sideline. But And he just cut through that defense. They didn't mesh up right. The safety came down. The Sam linebacker went over the top, and he just gashed it. Well, from that point on, he had 78 yards in that first one. He barely had over 100 on the day. I saw one of the things I love about Adrian Peterson, and you know this as a play caller, he, you, you're not in a lot of second longs. He may not break every one, but you know he's going to get two or three yards on every run. They were in a bunch of second 14, second 13, second 12. That aggressive line, and, and Detroit has spent the money on it now. They've got a first-round draft choice in Dominican Sue, first-round draft choice in Nick Fairley, first-round draft choice in Ziggy Anza. They, that's a physical front seven. They were very impressive beyond that one hit for 78 <laughs> yards in, in cranking down on the running game in Minnesota. Brian, how did you think Ziggy did? Huh? Did you, uh, did you, you watch him closely? He, he was okay. He, he, uh, I tell you what, in visiting with them, they got sold him in on the Senior Bowl. Because remember, he, they? they passed up Marquevious Bing, uh, uh, Mingo, Mingo. Uh, who they could have had. Uh, Richards they could have had. Uh, 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 Mentor, the, the DB. But they had him in the Senior Bowl. And that's what sold them on going with this kid. Huge athletic talent. He didn't look out of place. I don't know that he made a lot of plays, put a little bit of pressure on the quarterback, but they're really counting on compared to when they had Cliff Averill and Van Bosch on the outside. All they want to do is rush the passer. Right. Well, they know, And they got gashed in the running game. They know they need better edge setters, and they've got that at the defensive end. They've got those big bodies inside. They like their safeties to build that picket fence on the defensive line. I think this defense could be pretty good because they did a heck of a job on Adrian Peterson and stopping the run. Save. Don't you always love that from your defensive coordinators? They'll come in and tell you, you know what, except for those two runs where he went for 150, we had this guy shut off. Well, that 150 <laughs> still got me a little upset. And eventually they get you fired. No, it, it's uh, yeah, it was fun to watch that game because you know here you have a team in Detroit that was what four and twelve last year and against the Vikings who went to the playoffs and and I thought Jim Schwartz's team really responded and and to go all the way back to your question about Matthew Stafford. He's a keeper, and, I, and I'm glad they extended him because it's been uh, half a century since Detroit has had a real uh, long-term franchise quarterback, and they've got one, and they've got to keep him healthy and upright and let him keep slinging it because that's what he does best. Okay. Give me, give me your, 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 your uh, final thought on the first week. What do you think? What jumped out at you? What jumped out at me? I, uh, I was impressed with the two rookie quarterbacks that started, right? EJ and Gino. I was impressed with Reggie Bush. He looks like he's going to add some terrific excitement. I'm a little bit concerned about the Steelers. 
Yeah. I'm a little bit concerned about Tom Brady's offense. He's got so many new guys over there, and plus he was taking some hits. And as you know, a quarterback will take hits if, if things aren't timing up and the receivers aren't separating fast enough. And so I haven't studied the game enough to know that that's what happened. But, but it, 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 it looks like they're going to take some time here to get it going offensively. Um, but otherwise, it was so good to get back at it. That was, with, wasn't uh, it? Oh, and, oh and still God. wide open. And those teams that <laughs> lost in the first week, just don't panic. The one thing that jumped out at me, I think it's going to really pay off. I've got the game this week, Minnesota at Chicago. Jay Cutler, no sacks. Did not get sacked. And for that offensive line, that revamped offensive line, I think that's going to be big. And that's going to wrap it up for this week's Coaches Show podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe to iTunes. Thanks for listening, everybody.